Okay, so hey, how are you doing? It's another episode of Film Streak, and my name is Rob. And uh, hey, I hope you enjoyed the last couple of episodes. We tried a little something different. And uh, this episode, we're going to go back to kind of the uh, the original formula, the original recipe. But uh, I'm going to try a, a little bit of a different thing with the lineup, okay? The lineup is going to be some movies that, for better or worse, comment and address things outside of themselves. So you could say they're a little bit meta or a lot meta, okay? It's just uh, depending on your particular take and your point of view, maybe. But um, these are five really interesting films from the last year, from 2022, that uh, I think not only try some different things, really experiment, really push the envelope, but um, they're also pretty fun, pretty fun to watch. And before we get into it, uh, again, if you're just checking this out, you're just discovering Film Streak, thanks for listening. If you want to find some other episodes, you can go to filmstreak.com. You can leave a comment there. You can subscribe. You can uh, get the episodes directly to your email inbox. Now they're on Substack, so check that out. And um, you know what? Let's get into it. I probably have some more to say, but let's get started. Let's pick up where we left off with uh, the Film Streak count. We're at, uh, what are we at? Um, 163. Nope. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say since the moment pictures could move, yeah, skin in the game. It's a bad miracle. They got work for that. Okay, so written and directed by Jordan Peele. This is the third film after, uh, what was it, Get Out and then Us. And those films themselves really pushed the genre in new directions and addressed some social issues and some race and even gender issues that uh, I, I feel like were kind of overlooked or just flat out ignored. 
And so this is the third in the in this series, I guess, you know, and they're not really a trilogy. They're not really meant to tie together in any way. But I feel like Jordan Peele is really breaking away from his comedic kind of origins or, or early beginnings with TV and, and that kind of thing. And in feature films, he's really pushing into new territory, which is really cool. I like to see it, you know. And so with Nope, I think this was probably billed as another sort of horror film. And there's just not a lot of those elements in this. There's some suspense. And there's even some some pretty gruesome kind of graphic stuff in this. But it's not so much horror in the sense that I... I really think it's more about it's more about commentary. It's more about metaphor of what it is that either entertainment or the Hollywood machine can do to people. And you know, one of the things that uh, I heard a lot of Jordan Peele talk about in some of the you know interviews and and press that he did for the film was he talked about the idea of spectacle and. That's very much on display here. You know, there's a lot that is just off kilter enough in Nope that you're not really sure what what this film is going to turn into. But when the big moments come, they really are big and they really get your attention. And they're even I, I would say, give it some time. They might turn out to be really iconic. And that's not to say even, you know, in Get Out and Us, there were some moments and some particular shots even that are like going to stand the test of time. Now, with that said, I came away from this with a little bit of mixed feelings. Performances in, in this are great. Even the writing is really sharp and really intelligent and thoughtful. And the execution, I mean, it looks great. I, they've done some really interesting things with the nighttime scenes shooting day for night. And it's something that I really feel like I hadn't seen in a film. You know, you see a lot of films that shoot things at night and it's artificially lit or it's day for night where it's clearly shot during the day and then they darken it or filter it to make it look nighttime here. It looks like it's nighttime and, and it lends to the authenticity and it lends to the immersion that you need to really buy into the whole premise and everything that happens in this story to address that. Um, it's a little hard to go into it. And because, well, it's about UFOs, but it's not, but there are UFOs in it, but it's also about other things. And I'll just say that I would, I'm going to just recommend this from the start. Like you, you should see this film and you may get different things out of it than maybe were intended or maybe other people will see in the film. And so what I would say is if you haven't seen it, just avoid any of the promotional stuff and just go into it and just go for the ride because it, it has so many kind of twists and turns narratively and even uh, tonally. You know, it really does spin from science fiction to a little bit into like horror, but then suspense and even some comedy. There's some really kind of amusing, almost dark humor in this. Um, and so it, it really does maneuver its way through that. And it's better if you just go in really blind and just open to whatever's going to happen. 
And all that saying, it's a solid film. It's really well done. I don't think personally to me, to my taste, I don't think it's as good as Get Out and it's not as good as Us, even though it has very much, uh, it, it has all the same elements and the same level of, of quality to those. But I don't know, maybe I need to watch it again. I, I know Get Out, like on the first watch, I was like, oh, Jordan Peele's here. He's doing something. This one strikes me less so as that. That's not to say it's not good, but it's just a different kind of film. The thing I like about it, though, is that it does address a little bit of, I guess, celebrity culture and even the kind of uh, voyeuristic nature of either capturing things on video and trying to turn that into something. You know, the, the, the hustle of, oh, I've got this thing that nobody else can get or I've seen this thing nobody else can see. So I'm going to, I'm going to make my bones off of this. You know, I'm going to get rich. I'm going to get known. I'm going to whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. I feel like that's kind of relevant, especially when it comes to the world of social media and all that. Like, you know, the, the idea of like one thing can blow you up and now you're set. So there's a little bit of that in there. And so in that regard, um, watch it as soon as you can. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, I feel like there may be a point where this film, maybe this is what it is. There may be a point in time where this film won't feel either as relevant or as fresh. You know, I think Get Out in particular, you know, some of the issues it's talking about and some of the themes in it, uh, I feel like those things may or may... Uh, you know, unfortunately, the kind of inequality and the the racism and all that, the elements in that, that may still be around. You like to think it won't be, but it might. Here, some of that is addressed, and it's a little more strategically done. But the overall kind of premise of something from another world and what does it mean to observe weird, strange, great events and how does that affect you how does that traumatize you how does that change who you are those things may or may not feel the same in a few years from now but uh i recommend it overall so check that out if you have some time all right so i want to move to this quickly because this one is a very important one to me it turns out i wasn't really prepared for it but here we go this is 164, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Kukulkan. 
feather serpent god. Killing him will risk eternal war. He's coming for the surface world. What you whisper. They have lost their protector. Now is our time to strike. Show them. Now here we see the sequel to Black Panther without its main star. And writer-director Ryan Coogler a great, talented, smart filmmaker who's really got an eye, really got an ear, really got a specific style. Even even though it's Marvel and it's a superhero movie, there's just a touch here, whether it's theme, the, the themes of the movie or the even the emotion of the movie that I feel like is just not in a lot of the other Marvel movies. You know, this and the last Spider-Man movie really hit some some moments and some some emotional notes that uh you don't really see in these so you know and this may turn out to be one of the bigger movies of this year with all good reason i think so i probably don't need to go into too much of the premise but here's just the very broad strokes okay some years after the Marvel, uh, what is it, the blip, the snap, whatever, where everything went away or everybody went away and then everybody came back and all that. Time has passed. Things have happened. And we kind of just start the film where King T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman, dies at the beginning of the film. And now it's up to everybody around him, his family, the, you know, the nation of Wakanda to kind of pick up the pieces and find a way forward. A lot of that rests on his little sister, Shuri, who is introduced in the first movie, plays a kind of an important role in that, too. Uh, here really is saddled with all of this. And some of that is even taken on by Queen Ramonda, who is played by Angela Bassett, who is for real. Angela Bassett brings the heat. I mean, there's a couple of really big, powerful scenes that uh, she's here for it. And that's it. That's what this movie is about. This movie is about everybody bringing their A game, everybody showing up and really representing everything that I think everything that people were expecting out of this sequel had Chadwick Boseman been a part of it. But now that he's, you know, he's gone, rest in peace, uh, everybody's got to step up and fill in that void and really make something powerful with this, make something meaningful. And man, this is not the way I'm used to talking about Marvel movies, you know? But I'll tell you this much, going to see this film, there's plenty to talk about the plot and all the, the, the characters and all the things that are happening 
that are going to matter to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And at this point, I kind of don't even care about that. It's, it's gotten so far down the road that I feel like some of the films have been really lacking in quality or just, um, I don't know. They're, things are really starting to spread out. It's starting to really feel diluted. You know, you've got things like the Eternals, and then you've got Doctor Strange over here, and then you've got, uh, you know, all the Marvel TV shows on Disney+. Plus. Everything's really getting spread out, and in some ways spread pretty thin. And it loses the substance, it loses the depth that I think those early Marvel movies, the phase one and two or whatever, all those films really had a power to them. They meant something. And that's just really not the case at this point. But here, I I really thought, okay, well, forget, uh, you know, whoever the villains are, that's important. And I feel like that was a really, that was a really big swing and they landed it bringing in a whole new villain, a whole new, uh, a whole new, I don't know, set of characters, a whole new world really that didn't feel so out of place. You know, you have the stuff that happened in um, Shang-Chi where there's like this other secret hidden world in, I don't know, in a forest or whatever. Uh, Okay, fine. Here, I mean, yeah, it's an underwater Atlantis type of situation. And there's a lot of things that, you know, have to be explained kind of mechanically and and how all this happened and all that. It doesn't even really matter. What I did like about it, though, is that the villains aren't necessarily villains. You know, they're a tribe of people um, that are essentially trying to protect their place in the world and keep them their their culture their society as it is keep it untouched and so naturally that's very much what wakanda is doing or at least had done up until whatever uh what was it avengers infinity war whatever movie it was where oh the world knows about wakanda now okay well uh, yeah so this is very much like two cultures here that have the same goals in mind. It's stated really clearly in this film. And yet one is taking a different approach than the other. And I mean, this even goes back to the first Black Panther film where you've got T'Challa and then you've got Killmonger who in a way have similar goals in mind going about it very different ways though. And so all that to say is Namor, the villain, his people. Now you got me trying to remember names. I don't remember what the names of the people called. The underwater people, okay? The blue cats that live underwater. They're all trying to basically protect themselves and prepare for a possible war with the surface world. Or even, you know what? Even start the war. Just take it to them. And so all of that is important if you, you know, it's probably going to matter in another Marvel film. Okay, fine. Go go read all about that or, or, you know, look at everything you need to know there. What got me about this film was not any of that, really. All that stuff is nice, but what really got me was the emotion of the film. And 
Given my own personal situation, things that have happened to me this year, I lost some family members and it's actually been a really hard time dealing with that. And seeing that kind of grieving process, the loss, the mourning, the the sense of directionlessness, is that a word? You know, the, the confusion, the anger, all of that, seeing that in this film, I mean, it was the last place I really expected to see some of that, but seeing it addressed and seeing it uh, sort of dramatized and how it plays out from different perspectives through all the characters, man, that really got me. That was really strong stuff. You know, there are some moments in this film that uh, I don't expect to get out of Marvel films. Even the very last, the very last scene where Shuri is on the beach by herself. It's not an action scene. There's, there's only one character in it. And she's trying to really come to terms with the loss and how to move forward. And how to find strength. And goddamn, man, if that's not everything that I've been feeling and dealing with on a personal level, and even the anger, and even the confusion, all of that stuff. I mean, it got me. It got me. I can't lie. I just, I I saw so much emotion and, and I mean, and real emotion, right? Because it's not like, oh, the character passed away the real person and not just a person not just an actor but an actor who was talented and an actor who symbolized and represented so much and had so much of a promising future to see that gone the tragedy of that and then to see everybody who was family to that person on screen on camera really have to pull those emotions out and put them on display. I, it resonated, you know, it connected, it got me. And so in that respect, I, I have nothing but high, high regards for this movie. I mean, I, I really even think this was better, at least for me on a personal level, this was even better than the first Black Panther. And it's strange because it doesn't have the Black Panther character in it, as we know it. There is a Black Panther that shows up. And if you haven't seen the film, it's a nice surprise. It's not really a surprise, but it's a nice thing to see happen. When it comes to that, what it, what, what that represents, it's a hope. It's a hope for a new day, a new future a hope to be strong and to be happy and find joy and love again. I, man, it's crazy, man. I just, I, like I said, I don't really talk this way about Marvel movies, but you know, I think a lot of it also, uh, frankly, a lot of it has to do with the talent involved, right? Ryan Coogler, like I said, he's really got an eye. He's really got an ear. He knows how to make this stuff work. And so that's a lot of, I, I feel like that's a lot of where the magic comes from, is all the talent involved and their real experience, their real human experience. 
it's conveyed. It, it passes right through the screen, right into you. So high marks from me for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, recommend it. Go see in the theater. It's a lot of fun to watch in the theater. Uh, it's really made for the big screen. Don't wait for Disney Plus or whatever. Go see in the theater. All right, let's keep this moving now. And what do we got next here? Film Streak 165. Don't worry, darling. I have it, I have it, I have it. Focus, right here. Have a little drink. You and me. All of you wives, we men, we ask a lot. We ask for strength, food at home, a house clean, and discretion above all else. Boys and their toys, at least we know they're getting work done. Welcome to the Victory Project. We're all here because we believe in the mission. What are we doing? Changing the world. What are we doing? Changing, Changing the, the world. world. That's right. What do you think they're really doing out there? What do you mean? The one thing they ask of us is to stay here. Where it's safe. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Please. What's actually happening? Stop it, Alice. What if this place is dangerous? What if Stop it! No. Jack. It's okay. I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. I need you to listen to me. They're lying about everything. We are not going backwards. We're pushing forward. Everyone is acting like I'm crazy. And I'm not crazy. Our life together. We could lose this. And I don't want to be here anymore. Or is it don't worry, darling? Or don't worry, darling? What is it? I don't, I feel like there's a comma missing somewhere. All right, so look, this is um, maybe notoriously known by everything that happened around the release of the film, or not even the release of the film, but I think it was at Cannes Film Festival or somewhere in Europe, one of those festivals where it really kind of made a, a lot of news over everything that wasn't in the movie. You know, I'll say this much about this film. In terms of the premise or the characters... Uh, it's its own thing. 
but in terms of its approach and its its way of experimenting and trying some things it it reminds me a lot of nope and films of that type where it's a little bit unclear what you're watching like what is actually happening but you know there's something else going on either between the lines or behind the scenes or what, you know, there's subtext there and stories like that can be interesting. They can be intriguing and make you, it has like a sense of mystery. It can really make you lean in. And yet here it's like, this film reveals like, Oh no, it's not just, you know, you kind of trying to figure out things that are being unsaid. No, there really is a whole other set of things happening that we don't know about. And so the premise very loosely is that we start out in a, in a neighborhood, like a suburban community where it appears to be like the late fifties maybe. And there's these homes and there's this neighborhood and there's this young woman, she has her husband and then there's the neighbors and it feels a little Stepford wives ish, right? It feels like there's something that's a little fake about this. It's not really clear why. And yet everybody in the film, all the characters, they talk like people talk today. So it doesn't even feel like we're in the 50s. It feels like there's something just unusual about everything. And so through a series of incidents and some just discoveries by the main character, played by Florence Pugh, who really, I look, I, she's, if not already a star on the rise, I've got eyes, like I want to see what she does. Here really stands out. I mean, it, it's a little bit in the realm of what she was doing or what the character was doing in Midsummer, someone who's both out of place, but also suspects other things are going on that are possibly dangerous or nefarious and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of discovery and there's a lot of kind of uh, uh, terror that she has to play. And, uh, she it works, you know it it really works. She sells it, and so you know, through some things that happen uh, with some of the characters, she realizes, oh, this whole community is actually not what it seems to be, and it's not that it's even some remote, isolated community that's built, you know, only for these people. It's not like the village, you know, where it's like we're off in some commune in the woods or in the desert or whatever. It's actually like a, what, like a virtual reality kind of metaverse type thing where these people are actually real, but they're in their apartments, like in hooked up to machines. And this is some kind of uh, virtual world they're in. And it's created with the idea of a place, a, a kind of a, I don't know, um, like a, almost, um, I don't want to say a sanctuary, but what what is the word? You know, uh, like a place where a man can be happy and have his family and his wife and people can live out a life that they otherwise wouldn't be able to have. A more idealized version of reality, let's say, where you can remain ageless and have the children you couldn't have in real life or, you know, whatever it is. It's real, uh, it's kind of edgy stuff when you think about it. When you get down to the the intent of it, 
as it as it is explained in the film. And yet, uh, it's smart. I mean, it's done in a way that it doesn't pull punches. I mean, it's I I, I don't know. It's just a very it's a stinging commentary on society and either men or women's place in society and what it means, you know, what is a man, what is his ideal life and what is a woman's ideal life and how do those things not intersect or how they do intersect. Right. I mean, there's a lot of deeper levels to this on the surface. It's just this weird kind of almost science fiction thriller type thing, but underneath it's really got a lot going, going on. So, you know, the only thing, if there were any kind of knock on this film that, and it's more just, it's a distraction is that I don't really, I, something about Harry Styles in this film just doesn't really land for me. You know, it's really so hard to see him as a, a not only a, a serious actor, people can do that. People can make transitions and move into new, you know, careers and territory and stuff. Cool. I got you. But there's something that as the like the second lead, basically, um, it just feels a little too, I, I don't know, it feels a little forced. Florence Pugh doing great work. Chris Pine really landing, a, I mean, just a solid, just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's borderline menacing, borderline charming role here. You know, it's only to... Up until a certain point, you're really not sure if he's totally a bad guy or if he's just weird. But there becomes a point where you're like, oh, no, 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 no. He's really got he's got some other things going on. So everybody's doing really interesting work here. Um, so, I mean, overall, look, it's a recommendation overall. I, I would say it's one of those that um, I think, unfortunately, got overshadowed by some things around the making of the film. If you don't know anything about that stuff, you don't pay attention to that stuff. Good. Good for you. And don't look into it, right? Just go watch the film. Just same with Nope. Just go into it a little bit blind. You know, don't look into it too much about what it's about. Um, even though I might have maybe disclosed a little bit of that. <laughs> but otherwise, I feel like it's pretty solid. It's a good recommendation. All right here. So next up, um, I'll tell you what. This one's going to be a little bit tricky because... Uh, <sighs> I don't know where to start. Let's just get into it. 166, everything, everywhere, all at once. Mom, just wait. No time to wait. Very busy. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. If you can imagine it, somewhere out there, it exists. is bigger than you realize. Do you think this is funny? There's no going back. Of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. Now this, this is an adventure. Okay? I, I don't know another word to describe this film. Written and directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. I think that's how you say his name. It's even hard to really describe this film. I'll tell you this much. It's got Michelle Yeoh, who, for fans of 
martial arts films, you know, the era, the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, Jackie Chan, all that, you know, that crowd. Michelle Yeoh is a name, you know. Uh, I remember seeing Crouching Tiger and thinking, finally, she's getting a proper part that she can really act in. She can really sink her teeth into be a real character, not just someone, you know, doing a lot of moves and, and fighting. And here, here's a film where she's the lead and she's carrying this entire film. And let me tell you, like I said, adventure is the word. There's so much in this film. There's so much going on. There's so much story. There's so much plot. There's so many characters and so many, uh, let me just tip into what it's about. There's so many versions of the characters. Yo, this film has everything going on. (laughs) It's just wildly inventive in terms of the visual style, the editing style, the story. I mean, everything in this film is dialed to 11. And I'll even say that there were portions of the film where I had to stop. Like I wasn't sure what was happening. <laughs> and honestly, it's probably a film I need to watch again. And like that's not uh that's not to say that there's anything wrong with the film. It's just a lot. It is dense and there's a lot is just a kinetic energy. There's so much happening in the film that uh it's hard to describe other than, let me just lay it out very broadly, is a woman played by Michelle Yeoh. She's, she runs a, uh, like a laundry, uh, what do you call it? Um, where you wash clothes, a laundromat, right? She runs one of those. She has her husband. They're kind of just very struggling. They're, they're not really being able to make ends meet. So life is getting a little tough. They've got a daughter who is... Um, She's struggling too. She's trying to find her independence. She's pulling away from her parents. And that connection, you know, the way it's kind of dissolving and being stretched and broken, that is actually the core of the film. And yet somehow it's played out and told and revealed through all of these circumstances and these scenes where this character uh, that Michelle Yeoh plays she has to essentially kind of address either different versions of her life that could have been or should have been or whatever. And then also address what that means to her daughter and what that means to her family and the, and the world around her and how that plays out. And, oh man, I, I wish I could really, that's the thing. There's so much happening. I feel like I missed maybe a couple of subplots and some subtext in there, you know, but I'll just say that it really does go a hundred miles an hour. It doesn't really stop very much. It's, it's one of those that to me, it was a little borderline exhausting to watch. I think there's real magic here. I mean, the, the way that visually and, and just, thematically the way that this hits so many different levels i applaud somebody who's got the mind to think something like this up and be able to execute it you know i mean there are there are moments and there are touches in here that i mean the closest i could really think is someone like an edgar wright you know who builds these films that maybe follow a certain conventional uh formula or or 
a story, you know, a premise, but either the characters have their, their unique, their, their quirks or their, you know, unique, uh, flavors. And then the visual filmmaking is one thing. And then adding in, you know, musical elements and, and all these other tonal elements, it becomes its own thing. And it, and then there's layers of stuff, right? There's Easter eggs. There's all these intricate little details that you blink and you miss it. But it, if you saw it, oh, good for you, right? This is like that, but like, you know, times 10. I mean, it really is just full of stuff. And so I got to give it props and give it credit for just the amount of work and the amount of effort and thought on display. I mean, it's clearly like something that, these these guys, they both clearly put a lot of thought into, a lot of time into trying to figure this out to really, you know, build this plot, build the characters out and make it all make sense. And so it's a very, very solid recommendation. Just keep in mind, it it's going to be a lot and you got to prepare. You got to be ready. Pay attention. Don't get up. You can pause if you need to, but don't get up in the middle or somewhere in between because you miss something and then it, you got to ride the wave. I mean, and it's a fast wave. Okay. So you, but you got to stick with it. So that's a recommendation for me. That is everything everywhere all at once. Check that one out for sure. And good job, Michelle. Yo, I'm glad to see her getting like full star treatment and even look, even addressing some things about her real life as a film star who's finally getting her due. I like that that's in this film. All right. So now let's move on to uh, the last one for this episode. This one was, um, you know, I hinted at this in an earlier episode, uh, a little earlier in the year. This is uh, film streak 167, the unbearable weight of massive talent. What's the worry here, Nick? You've lost some of your talent as an actor? No. <laughs> what did he say? He says he loves you, but he went in a different direction. I'm done. I'm quitting acting. Tell the trades it was a tremendous honor to be a part of storytelling and myth-making. Ah, oh, fuck, man. I'm driving through the hills. I'm sorry. One more time. We got another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a wealthy gentleman's birthday party. I would never do that. It's the easiest gig ever. You play yourself. What do we know about this guy anyway? Is he into something strange? It's not like he's gonna want you to suck his dick or fuck his wife or watch you watch him fuck his wife. I wouldn't think so. Welcome to Mallorca, Mr. Cage. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Is Javi gonna want me to, uh... I am Javi. Nick Cage. God, this place is stunning. What is your favorite movie? That's one of those questions that's impossible to answer. You can't just limit it to one. Imagine me and you. I do. Is it too much? Is this supposed to be me? It's grotesque. I'll give you 20,000 for it. We could have died! 
I'm in position. I think that's the actor Nick Cage. Nick Cage? I love you. Have you seen Croods 2? I'm 44 years old. Why the fuck would I see Croods 2? I've seen Face Off and Con Air. What do you guys want? We're with Central Intelligence. Do you know who you're spending time with? One of the most ruthless men on the face of this planet. I need you to help the U.S. government. Let's kill this love. Find a way into that room, Nick. I can see myself doing more of this stuff. I think I might have a real gift for it. Good, because we got another mission for you. No, 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 no. Your friend is working for the U.S. government. Don't lie to me. Are those my golden guns? They're my golden guns. I don't want to kill you. You're the last person I want to kill. I love you. I love you. You just be Sally. Can be dangerous. I'm Nick fucking... So, look, this is another writer and director, Tom Gormican. Hope I said that right. Good job, Tom. Good job making a film about Nicolas Cage with Nicolas Cage that lets him be Nicolas Cage. You know, there are some films where uh, it's an actor playing themselves, but they're not necessarily their real selves. And here, there's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of fudging about uh, he has a daughter and, you know, the issues with a teenage daughter and, and how that all happens, you know, how that all plays out. I don't think Nicolas Cage actually has a daughter. I think he has a son, right? Either way, it's a similar dynamic and it's something that's not too far from the truth. But the other thing is, it's allowing Nicolas Cage to address things about himself, so not only is he Nicolas Cage, the celebrity, but he's Nicolas Cage, the talented actor, but he's also Nicolas Cage, the a little bit off kilter uh, madman that he can sometimes appear to be, even if he's not actually that. He's maybe sometimes misunderstood, right? So here, you know, it's just... It's great to see all of these sides of Nicolas Cage, who I think personally is still a great actor, but hasn't really gotten the right roles. You know, I addressed that in an earlier episode. We did all Nicolas Cage movies from like the last decade that really went under the radar. Some of them may be deservedly so. I do like that there's a nice little tip. There's a nice little shout out to Mandy in this film, which was a recent film. And I thought actually a trip, you know? And there's actually a ton of other Easter eggs and little hints and nods to some of his more known films. But um, the main thing here was a lot of the films that I feel like I've seen Nicolas Cage in, in, in more recent years, it's been him acting. And sometimes it's acting uh, in, a, in a way that doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it plays to his strengths. And and look, it's fine. He's got to push himself. He's got to try new things. Everybody does it. Every actor does it, right? But in this film, we see Nicolas Cage. It, you know, it's almost like that little glint, that little sparkle in his eyes comes back. We see some of that Nicolas Cage from like the 90s and, and that era. And yet at the same time, we see 
maybe a more realistic interpretation of himself. And then there's even a, look, there's even a part of the film where he has to play a character. And if you think about it, here's where the meta comes in, right? It's like the real Nicolas Cage, the actor, playing a version of himself, playing another character, right? So this Nicolas Cage is a little bit, I don't know. I don't want to say not smart, but I feel like the the actual real Nicolas Cage is maybe a little more observant, a little more self-aware than the one we get in the film. And then that guy has to play a character who is totally out of his element and yet is supposed to be confident. And <laughs> look, it, it, it at least provides for some really interesting, funny, really weird moments that he gets to stretch his legs in. With that, all that said, I mean, Nicolas Cage is still dialing it in for the most part. He's not going off the rails like we've seen in some other movies. I don't know. I It's it's really hard to talk about this film without just addressing that there's other things in it besides Nicolas Cage. Because he really does hold the screen. He holds your attention. And for the right reasons this time. In terms of the plot, I mean, the plot is almost secondary, but... The idea is that Nicolas Cage, the actor, the guy that we know, who's been in all the movies, all the cool, fancy action movies and dramatic roles and all that, he's kind of down on his luck. He's not really getting movies and roles like he used to, which feels, okay, that feels like that might be real. So then he goes to meet this guy who wrote the script, and there's a miscommunication with the, was it the CIA or whatever? which is Tiffany Haddish, uh, what, CIA, all right, and Ike Barinholtz, there's the miscommunication, oh, your super fan, he's actually uh, like a drug dealer, he's actually a really bad guy, and he's probably going to kill you, and so then there's like, well, Nicolas Cage, the real guy, is playing Nicolas Cage, the actor, who is playing an, an undercover CIA agent, who then goes on to play a drug, it gets really, it gets stacked up. But it doesn't feel like it's getting out of hand. It doesn't feel like Nicolas Cage is like losing control of, of, of this character. And I think that's the magic of it. It does feel still fun. It feels somewhat real. And it's it's just, I don't know, it's smartly commenting on both Nicolas Cage and the types of movies he's been in good and bad and what it even means to be a celebrity and to be kind of misinterpreted or misunderstood by the world you know you're, you're like your reputation precedes you at some point and people have this maybe inflated idea of who you are or what you are it's just a fun ride really and it's just good to see Nicolas Cage having fun in a movie. You know, I, I feel like him and the scenes with him and Pedro Pascal, who plays the, the the guy who wrote the script and is like trying to like get in good with him. The super fan. It's got all the memorabilia. It's got like the props and all that. You know, those scenes where they have together. I mean, it just looks like these two guys are just having a ball. And it, it, it comes across. It comes through the screen. And that's, that's what you like to see. 
at the end, there's even a nod to some of the higher budget action films that he's been in. Like it really ends, it goes all out. It goes into the territory of becoming like one of those movies. And it's in a little bit of a mocking, winking way. But it still, it still works. Uh, I like this movie. I was really not sure about it. I did that episode a while back and I thought, well, I need to catch up with Nicolas Cage. I need to see what the hell's going on. Is this guy still got it? Is there still something there? And some of those movies made me still question that. But this one, uh, I no, he's still there, man. He's still a star. He's still an actual good actor, you know? And that's where I feel like uh, hopefully this is a movie that turns some people's minds back to like, yeah, this. remember this guy won an Oscar? He's a good actor. He can still do good, interesting, fun work. So uh, that's that's a recommendation for me. And so, look, all these films, I mean, they really do take on more than just their own plot and their own characters. There is another level to it, whether it's about something that's happening in the real world or addressing maybe an alternate reality or an alternate version of of the characters in the film sometimes these films can be a little tricky and they don't always work you know but these i feel like they're they're pretty solid and so these are all recommendations for me choose one choose them all doesn't matter ha that's what i got to say about those so look um if you're listening to this thanks for checking this out if you've heard some of the other episodes hey thanks for listening to those You can always find more episodes. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. You can subscribe on the website. You can get it directly into your inbox. Then every episode of Film Streak, whenever they come out, which is usually every Monday. Otherwise, look, um, if you have some comments, you can go to the website. You can comment under this episode, or you can just send it straight by email to comments at filmstreak.com. And, uh, Again, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.